Nick Harrison Price for August the 25th, and so glad to have you with us here. We're coming to you, really partially, from the Wall Center downtown. Don't forget about the Western Wall Center and YBR as well, featuring the fabulous dining at the apron. There's nothing at the fridge, in the fridge when you get home from uh, your flight. So stop at the apron, get fabulous fresh-cooked meals there, eat well before you go home. Jeff Patterson's alongside me here in for the vacationing. Matt Sikaris, and we're all a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group, proudly home to one of the most unique dealerships you're going to find. It's the Applewood Performance Center, new and premium used vehicles that you just won't find anywhere else, folks, from trucks to sports cars and even the odd motorcycle thrown in for good measure. So passionate about what they do. Knowledge is one thing, but they have the passion, and you can check it all out at applewoodperformancecenter.com. Greetings, Jeff. How are you on this Friday? Yeah, I'm doing well. Hey, I just want to take a second here. Uh, shout out to my parents. They celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary really? yesterday. Really? 60. I don't know where, like, we're at 22, so we're moving along. But 60 is a big round number. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Jim and Donna. 60 years. I mean, th- that seems like a high watermark that, I, you know, like, who's getting to 60 these days? That's, well, that's, that's just it. I mean, they were married in their early 20s, obviously. I was uh, yeah, a little later to the marriage game. So, uh, yeah, the idea of getting to 60, I'm not sure that uh, my heart's going to hold out long enough to, to make that a possibility. But uh, we'll, we'll give it our best try. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to have a big uh, big family do on Sunday to uh, to celebrate them. Jeff, that is just a a perfect segue. Because what you're telling me is your parents signed a long-term. Ah, yes. That's what, that's what you're telling me here. Yeah. And uh, as we segue to the Bodog poll question for today, brought to you by, by Bodog, your trusted source for sports odds. What number will the cap hit start with on an Elias Pedersen contract extension? And you have to factor in, like, do you, if you're a short-term or a long-term guy, that's going to come up in the show later on here. Uh, but that might alter your your number a little bit. If you think it's one or the other, that'll bring up or down, depending on how you think about this uh, this contract extension. So what number will the cap hit start with on an Elias Pedersen contract extension? 10, 11, 12, or 13? Log on. Uh, cast your vote. Yesterday, by the way, we asked you, with no long-term extension for Elias Pedersen, who's the captain now? Uh, the core four, if you will, uh, were there. Not so much Thatcher Demko, but Hughes, Miller, Pedersen. The fourth option for us was no captain, just the three alternates, status quo, effectively. Uh, where do you think the people voted? Uh, there's a movement here in town for Quinn Hughes. I'm going to say they threw their support behind Quinn Hughes. Wow. I, I don't think I would have guessed that. I think if uh, if Matt was here and he had posed, posed this to me, I, said, I would have said Patterson. But you're right. And, in fact, overwhelming. 44% of the votes going Quinn Hughes' way here. That surprise you that it's by that much? Yeah, a little bit. Because second place is Pedersen. Well, sorry, second place is no captain huh. to 30. But in terms of voting for the players, it's Hughes 44%, Pedersen 13.6. I saw the tweet. I, I should have, you can mark me down for E's and O's, but uh, was it like NHL Network or somebody that had the three options and then Connor? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, just. Why Connor Garland? Like of all the possible candidates on that roster, how Connor Garland worked his way into that conversation. 
and, and you know yeah, what? It like, starts with our, a C. Our fine part- it starts with a C. Let's go with Connor. Our, our, our fine partners at Bodog get a, 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 a bit of an infamous rep for their tweets because they generally throw in like a trolley thing right. like that to, to create outrage. But that's from the NHL network. Like, I don't think they're in the business of trolling people and, and sort of, you know, drumming up this faux outrage. Like, you do wonder, like, where that came from. Did somebody actually think that was a sincere possibility for people to vote for? I don't know. Um Quinn Hughes, though, winning ours at 44%. Cast your vote. Uh, Bodog line of the day for me, uh, the Whitecaps on the road for 72 years. Uh, and the first game out of the hopper on this road trip against the Portland Timbers. Um, they've had some success. They're one-on-one versus the Timbers on the season, but they've actually had some road success there down in Portland of late as well. They had a big 3-2 comeback win uh, a year or two ago down in Portland. They need it. Like, and Portland is not a world beater right now. They need this win. This is not, it's not must win mathematically, but man, do they need it and want it. Plus 195 for the Whitecaps to pull off the upset win on the road versus the Timbers. So uh, let's, uh, let's tackle today's poll question um, a little bit here. What, uh, what do you think that number begins with, Jeff? Uh, in my mind, I've always thought that he had the potential to push 11. Uh, but I do think that Austin Matthews and that conversation and the fact that yep. the salary cap is going up and also if Elias Pettersson can back up last season with anything close to another type of year, if he can get close to 100 points, I mean, he holds all the cards at that point and basically can say to the Canucks, like, you know, here's my number, meet it, or, you know, maybe I do start to push some buttons to try to make an exit out of Vancouver. And I don't want to go down that road, but I just think if he has another massive season, he will have reached superstar status. Like a, a one, a singular hundred point season is incredible. And it puts everybody on notice that this guy is, um, I mean, he finished 10th in NHL scoring on a bad yeah. Vancouver team, but if he can do it again, uh, all of a sudden, you know, at the age of 25, like you're looking at a guy that may be on a run of hundred point seasons at that point, like now, I think you're looking at the potential of a 12. And I think it's important. Like He's not Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews has a 60-goal season on his resume. Austin Matthews has five 40-goal seasons already. Uh, he's made the playoffs. I know that the Leafs haven't had success, but he has been a part of a team that uh, has been a perennial playoff team at the very least, and the Canucks haven't been there. And that's not all on Elias Pettersson. In fact, uh, you can't hang that on Pettersson. Pettersson's done his part, and they haven't surrounded him with enough. But... He's not Austin Matthews, and he's not Connor McDavid, and he's not Nathan McKinnon. And McKinnon's new deal kicks in this year at twelve point six million bucks. McDavid at twelve and a half seems like a bargain, and he's still got what a couple years left on his deal. So I think Patterson would have trouble with a straight face asking the Canucks straight up for Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid kind of money. And I just think that the market the market evolves and it changes, and it does rise, but there are limits. And so I think if the Pedersen camp said to the Canucks, we want Austin Matthews money, they'd say, you're not Austin Matthews. You don't have the track record. Uh, you're just not in that stratosphere. So I think a 13 is going to be, I, I just think it would be really difficult for him to get there. I think there are limitations. And if he says, I want 12 and a half, the Canucks would say, well, Connor McDavid makes 12 and a half and you're not Connor McDavid. And therefore like everything kind of has to find its level. So, I think an 11 is absolutely possible for Elias Pettersson, and I think 12 comes into the conversation. 
I think if I'm voting on our poll question, I would say an 11. And, you know, he can get into the high 11s, but I think 11 is the likely number at this stage. Yeah, it's so difficult with the comparisons because, of course, you're right. Conor McDavid makes 12 and a half and will for this year and two more years. But he also made it back in 2018. Yep. So, you know, you and these long term deals, they start off as, as these gaudy things and eventually it tapers off a little bit. I, I wonder if it, it won't eclipse Conor McDavid's 12.5, but I wonder if it just ticks over. 12,000 on the nose or 12,000 12 million. <laughs> yeah. 12,000 would be a heck of a, uh, a deal. Um, I, I just think that the inflationary pressure here with the cap going up and we've been talking about salary cap percentages a lot lately. And, and that was part of why people think that, Hey, weirdly the Matthews thing might be a bit of a deal in that if the expected salary cap bump is there and it does get to the expected uh, totals, you know, it'll still be only 15, only quote unquote, 15% of the cap for Austin Matthews. And so if 13.25 is projected to be about 15% of the cap next season, you know, if, if you know, if Elias Pettersson signs 12 million and he's in the 13 to 14%, that seems about right then in comparison to how those players slot in the National Hockey League. And again, Connor McGee is going to get a massive bump in three right. years time, obviously, um, but you know, I, I think that based on, and again, that's, that's incumbent upon a hundred point season out of Elias Patterson. If it's an 83 point season, which is still a great year, um, you're right. It's probably 11, but I think that's maybe what's up for grabs here with regards to his season this year is if, if it's another spectacular season, I think he can just get to 12, but maybe. Yeah, and, and look, I think that's an incredible carrot for him personally to have dangling in front. He recognizes that. Like, this is an important year for the hockey club. He's an important part of that conversation. If he struggles, they struggle. If he goes and comes out of the gate fast, I mean, that's going to help them get off to a better start. But he recognizes that if he can, you know, put together the kind of season that he had last year, then absolutely he holds all the cards in this conversation with the Vancouver Canucks. And they'd be foolish at that point not to try to give him whatever he wants to keep him in the fold. Um, but if there's a little bit of a step back, it's not the end of the world. But, yeah, I think it certainly will uh, diminish his bargaining power to a degree uh, if you're the Vancouver Canucks. And I do wonder, too, just the stylistic play. Like, you know, it was loose under Bruce Boudreaux. Offense was the name of the game. They scored a bunch. He had a couple of five-point nights. You know, I expect that there will be fewer 6-5, 7-6 hockey games for the Canucks, and I think there will be more 3-2 hockey games. Is that going to put any sort of limit on his ability to, you know, get to triple digits in consecutive seasons. No, you're right. That's that's going to change things a lot. Um, but he also he scored he scored six power play goals. So, you know, him, like absolutely, there's room for him to double that total and and then some. Probably, you know, I'm curious to see what the power play looks like. Uh, Jason King's not here, so they're probably going to have some new wrinkles. Uh, maybe it's more on the players, whatever the case. I do think that the power play, I mean, Miller and and Hughes have been feasting on the power play and there's been Patterson over in the one-time spot, more of a decoy than anything. But I, I, I think he recognizes that that's an opportunity for him to contribute. Like I could easily see him double his power play goal output. So, you know, there are still some ways and areas that he can up uh, his numbers from last year that ultimately will all uh, help him reach triple digits, uh, I think, for a second straight season. And if Kuzmenko regresses a little bit, I do wonder if it forces Patterson 
to be a more focal point of the power play because yep. I don't think they cared as long as the power play was successful last year and it was moderately successful um, that, you know, Kuzmenko was tapping in goals all day long. But if maybe he's not getting that same sort of uh, production, uh, maybe it falls to uh, to Elias Pettersson um, again. We'll see uh, an intriguing year ahead, needless to say, for the Vancouver Canucks and Elias Pettersson. Uh, in particular, and I think there's maybe a little bit of jealousy for the Vancouver Canucks and and their fans right now, Jeff. In that um, there's NHL business being done elsewhere. We talked about Austin Matthews deal, uh, Alexi Lafreniere, Evan Bouchard, and before that Hagel and Valeno signing deals. Heck, even the coaches Andre Turney in Arizona. All of a sudden this week, the NHL was picking up the phone again, and deals were being consummated. So uh, Alexis Lafreniere is not coming to Vancouver. Is that what you're telling me? After uh... Uh, yeah. I, well, I, look, I mean, it's a contract. It's an extension. It's a two-year deal, a bridge deal uh, with the Rangers. You know, it's funny. Like, is he, uh, you know, is he in the discussion of the best first round, first overall picks in recent years? No, not at all. It, it kind of feels though like he's been painted with the brush that he's already a bust, and he has a 19-goal season and a 39-point season. To his credit, he's mm-hmm. 21 years of age. So. Um, you know, has he exploded onto the NHL scene? No, not at all. I'll be curious to see. He's got Peter Laviolette there now as his head coach. And will Peter Laviolette have time for young players? Is it all about trying to squeeze, you know, the most out of some of the veterans that they've got there with the Rangers? So, you know, that's a dynamic that certainly has to be followed. But, you know, I, I guess... I sort of bought into this narrative as well. And I'll admit that I haven't watched every game that Alexi Lafreniere has played in the National Hockey League, but certainly, you know, there was discussion. The Canucks were linked to that uh, name with Emily uh, Castingay here as his former agent. So some of the dots connected, but it really felt like he was being run out of the Big Apple. And yet he turns 22 in the fall. And so before his 22nd birthday, already a 19-goal season and a 39-point season, you know, those aren't terrible numbers for a young player in the National Hockey League. He's got a National Hockey League career ahead of him. I think there's no doubt in that. It's it's just the weight of that uh, the draft slot, yeah. of course, and what people uh, expect out of it. Um, and, and then from a, a wide angle here, uh, you know, all this business is picking up. We're going to get into this a little bit later with John Shannon, but you know, there's there's theoretically some Canuck business that needs to be done. Um, one more week left here, full week of August. Um, if it's not next week, I mean, certainly by the time the calendar flips to September and that, you know, whether it's a Tyler Myers deal or what have you, something needs to happen, you would think, to make them feel a little bit more at ease about the salary cap situation. Um, do they leave it till training camp and the preseason has started to figure that stuff out? I mean, they might be, quote unquote, gifted an injury. Right. But you know, are you relying on that? Are you relying on, oh, we're going to send a a decent sized contract down to the American league to get that $1.2 million in, in respite. I, I'd have to hope that they have a, a, a bigger project than that in mind. Yeah. We haven't had a, a true Tanner Pearson update in a couple of weeks, but all indications through the summer are that he is a hockey player again, and that he's going to be at training camp. And, yeah. and, and that's great news. Like that is a good news story for a guy that went through what he went through, but Make no mistake, it complicates matters for the Vancouver Canucks. You know, I think it'll get a little more real uh, as we see some of these informal skates. And I know Troy Stetcher's putting on a pro camp and it's got a few Canucks uh, involved next week out in Richmond. And then I would think as we get into September, you're going to start to see the bulk of the Vancouver Canucks arrive in town 
when does Tanner Pearson get here? People will be watching him like a hawk to see if, in fact, he looks like he's going to be able to step in and compete at training camp. And I mean, this guy hasn't played a game since I think it was November the 9th. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of questions around him, but if he's on the roster, his salary cap counts. And that's why I say that complicates matters. Uh, so you're right. The idea of going to camp and thinking, oh, well, hey, Brock Besser got hurt last year. Lee McKay have got injured in the preseason. That's going to happen again. That just seems like completely flawed logic to me. And I can't imagine that the Canucks are running their operation that way. They would have a better sense of Tanner Pearson and, you know, where he is fully in his rehab. And I wonder if that factors into it. But you're right. Uh, it kind of feels like they can still be above the salary cap. They don't have to be cap compliant until uh, the day before opening day. But you just don't want to leave it, I don't think, to the very end. So, yeah, and they're not alone. There are other teams that are above the cap. I mean, that just absolutely feels like it's going to force the hand of a handful of teams here to make some things happen in the month of September. I mean, are you as surprised as I have? I mean, folks, we see how many of you listen to shows every day. Like it's been a pretty busy summer in the National Hockey League, don't you think? Like it's, I mean, there's really not been more than about a ten day drought between pretty significant news to talk about. Yeah, the early parts of August became the dog days there, yeah. and and but again, like these are human beings in high pressure jobs. When we're talking about management, like they need to get away and decompress as well. So I'm not surprised mm-hmm. that you know for the most part it went quiet there for the first three weeks of August, but. Yeah, July was fairly meaty, and then you know, and then you're right. Like you get a pair of suitor signing, um, right? There little are, speckles of news. Yeah, and there yeah. are still names out there. Like you know, Thomas Tatar is going to have a home. Like he's going to find a place to play. I saw Tyler Mott switched agents, uh, and you wonder if that was because he was getting a little frustrated uh, that he doesn't have a contract. But Tyler Mott's a National Hockey Leaguer. Like, is he going to have to go to camp on a PTO and try and play his way? Uh, onto a team to earn a contract. But there are some other guys out there kind of like Tyler Mott as well. So, uh, you know, there are players that are still looking for places to play. I think some dust will have to settle here in the month of September. So, yeah, it's been a little bit quiet, but it kind of feels like this was – and, you know, did it need to take an Austin Matthews signing to signal that business was back on in the National Hockey League, whatever the case – that was done, you know, Elias Pettersson speaking out earlier this week. So, yeah, it kind of feels like we're coming out of the uh, the dog days now. Uh, hockey is being played. Uh, at least uh, guys are on the ice uh, getting ready for, for training camps. And at lower levels, you know, the Vancouver Giants, they named their head coach yesterday. And they go to camp next week, BC Hockey League team. So, yeah, you get to this stage of August. Labor Day is within sight. And it's essentially, it's on. It's hockey season again. Um, elsewhere, uh, we have been waiting for this. For so long, we've we've had a bunch of these sports, and Matt's welcome. Matted on on this recently, you know, we eagerly anticipated this golden era of tennis in Canada, which has underperformed just a little bit, despite the fact that we do have some major champs, some Grand Slam championships there for Bianca Andreescu. Um, but one of the things we've been waiting to hit, in addition to the soccer teams, and again, there's been a lot of fronts, golf, which we'll get to in a second, the Canadian basketball team. Um, hey, the women have been pretty good of late. The men have all this NBA shine waiting for them to break through and be collected into one place at one time. And granted, we still haven't done that with no Wiggins or Jamal Murray on this particular edition of the team. Chris Boucher and a few others, too, not there. But this is a pretty good team and certainly capable of a podium. 
and they finally showed to be that team. After years of, even with a smattering of NBA players, Jeff, remember those qualifying tournaments oh. for the Olympics and stuff where they fall by one point to Venezuela <laughs> or whatever, like enough of those days. And today seemed like a day where they said collectively, yeah, enough of those days. A 30-point drubbing of France, a team that traditionally has been able to put together a decent squad in international games. That was good to see. Yeah, and it was more the way the game unfolded that it was a game up into the half. Canada had a three-point lead going to the half and then absolutely dusted the French in the third quarter, outscored them 25-8 to eight in the third quarter in the second half, outscored France 52-25 and just left them uh, in their wake. So it, it goes into the books as a 30-point win, but it was a game up until the half, and then Canada pulls away. Um Shea Gilgis Alexander, 27 points. So he leads the way and others followed. And it was great to see. And, and yeah, I mean, France, as you said, like they've had international, they went a silver at the last Olympics. Like I think, you know, they've had international success. They've got NBAers as well. And it was nice to see Canada on the right side of sort of putting the hammer down and setting the tone for the rest of the tournament. So uh, great start for Canada at the World Cup. And we'll see if they can move on. They play Lebanon on Sunday. That should be a, a relatively, right there. yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, get a couple of wins under their belt early on. And like any tournament in any sport, you know, it's about getting better as you go. Uh, so this was a nice start for Canada just to get that first win against a solid opponent. And let's see where they can go and, and what they can do with it from here. No Victor Wembanyama for France. So that leveled the uh, no <laughs> Jamal Murray field just a little bit, although I don't think women Yama is quite Jamal Murray yet anyway, but I, I am a little bit now still getting greedy. What if Jamal Murray was there? Like, it, would it be a, sl- a part of the pile <laughs> slam dunk that they would get silver if Jamal Murray was there? But uh, alas, uh, not the case. A big day locally yesterday, the opening round at Shaughnessy of the CPKC Women's Open, and there are Canadians in the hunt um it's a different brook that's in the hunt henderson down the leaderboard just a little bit amateur brook rivers though um into the uh, top 20 after a minus uh, a round of minus one um and of course lena sharp uh, near the top at at three under par all chasing lynn grant the uh, uh sorry uh, yuka sasso was the Overnight leader right. at the very least, Lynn Grant starting the day well on day two to take the uh, the lead. But there's Canadians around there. It's just too bad that Brooke Henderson might have put herself out of contention with that opening round of seventy five. Yeah, and look, there's so much expectation on her, and you know she wants to perform well, and she's won this event uh, back in 2018 uh, when it was played in Regina. Uh, I mean, massive galleries to watch Brooke Henderson, and we know that she's a star. We we know that, but it has been a disappointing season for her. And yeah, she finished second at Evian a couple of weeks ago in France, but that's her only top 10, uh, I think, in the last five or six events. And for me, Blake, like, she's such a good ball striker. She played the par fives one over yesterday. Like, it's impossible wow, to go dude. low at any event. If you don't make hay on the par fives, and there are four of them at Shaughnessy, she opened her day with a bogey of the first hole, which is a par five, and then three pars the rest of the way. And so, again, for somebody that hits it as well and as long as she does relative to the field there, she has to capitalize on the par fives and uh, just didn't do much of that on day number one. So, yeah, three over 75, that's disappointing for her. 
Uh, watched a little bit of the coverage. She missed like a two-foot putt on the 16th hole. She hit it to to two feet and then tried to just shove it in and and caught a part of the hole, but not enough. Um, you and I played Chaudhasee in the media day. What was that? Uh, a month ago, six weeks ago. I don't know about you. I didn't see six birdies in the first seven holes of the golf course, but that's what Yuka Sasso did yesterday. She started on 10, was even par when she made the turn, and then went to town, birdied her the, the first four holes sequentially. So holes one, two, three, four. And I don't know what happened to the fifth, but she made par there, but then birdied six and seven as well. So six holes, or six birdies in a seven-hole stretch. Shot 30 on the front side at Shaughnessy on Thursday. I birdied the first three, but I can't imagine doing the first four, Jeff. I was in your group. I don't remember it quite (laughs) that way. (laughs) Uh, And you're going to head out there uh, later today? and catch. I'm going to go on Saturday. I'm going to go on Saturday. And and that's why I'm hoping Brooke Henderson makes the cut at the very least. Like That's so important to to the tournament, just to be around on the weekend, to keep the interest, you know, and get people out there to – to see the Brook Brigade, if if nothing else. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to check it out uh, on the weekend and uh, looking forward to it. Meanwhile, for the men, uh, same sort of thing. I, th- I think there's a, a chance on day two for them to rally and move up the leaderboard of the Tour Championship, the two Canadians, Corey Connors, and, of course, Nick Taylor. But they might have sewered themselves in the opening round as well with both of them hanging around uh, even par. So it's just uh, too far up, I think. Although the leaders did come back to the field late in their round. So Morikawa's scorching 61 gives them a share of the lead overnight with Keegan Bradley and Victor Hovland. So, I mean, never say never, but they're probably going to need a 62 in their bag uh, over the weekend to uh, to make something happen there at the Tour Championship. Yeah, and, and look, this is, this is all gravy for Dick yeah. Taylor. I mean, winning the Canadian Open, getting to the Tour Championship, just by virtue of playing this week, Guaranteed his spots in the majors, all of the elevated events next year. Like that's why getting mm-hmm. to East Lake is so important. Now, does he want to play well? Of course he does. And the other thing is, no cut. Like guaranteed money this week. It's just a question of you know how much of it can that's you right. scoop into your pockets. And so we'll see ultimately. Uh, you know, so the, a, a poor first round doesn't necessarily sink you because you know that you're playing all four rounds there. And Nick has shown the ability to turn it on, and and he climbed the the leaderboard. So let's hope that he does, but it's a victory in and of itself just by punching your ticket to that tour championship. So uh, hopefully he can finish strong there this weekend. Uh, Lions hosting the Ticats on Saturday at BC Play Stadium, a chance to keep pace with the Bombers. And they also don't want to let the Saskatchewan Rough Riders think that they have anything to play for here down the stretch either. Uh, Riders at five and five, just two games back of BC. So Got to take care of business. This is a, a lesser light from the East. Hamilton three and six coming in. Um, Hamilton a minus seventy eight and point differential this season. Lions are plus seventy five. That's a big swing. Like this, this, this could be emphatic. More than anything, Hamilton lost to Edmonton last week. Like the exactly. shame. They should have to sit this week out. <laughs> it should be like you're the team that lost to Edmonton. You don't deserve uh, to play this week. But I'm sure they'll use that as motivation. And the Lions coming off their loss in Saskatchewan. And you're right. Uh, you know, Saskatchewan. I'm sure feels that they closed the gap last week. Now keep in mind it's Labor Day, or at least it will be soon. And we know that that means back to back matchups between Saskatchewan and Winnipeg. So Saskatchewan's going to have its hands full here coming up, uh, going up against the Bombers, who beat Montreal last night. So, uh, yeah, if you're the Lions, it's just about rebounding. They've been terrific at home. They're 4-0 this year at BC Place, so they've made the most of home ice or home 
field advantage. We know that off the field, the Lions have done such a good job of the street party and all of the events there, but then they have backed it up with their performance uh, for the home fans as well. So, uh, yeah, you can never, it's the CFL, you can never uh, take any opponent lightly or for granted, but this feels like the Lions should have the upper hand in this cat fight, and let's hope that they can get back uh, to their winning ways. They're at the 10-game mark. They're 7-3. and three. Six of those have been road games, so they're going to have a lot of home cooking in the back half of their schedule, and uh, we'll see if they can take advantage of being the home team at BC Place Stadium. 4 o'clock kickoff, yeah, on Saturday, Lions and the Ticats. And we know uh, one guy who's going. Uh, we had tickets to give away, and a big congratulations to Anthony Parra from Maple Ridge. Two tickets Food and beverage credit plus a team store gift card. Oh, Big nice. congratulations to Anthony. Um, he was the winning name pulled. Trevor Martin's sitting in for Grady Sass today. Um, is also from Maple Ridge. I think it's an inside job, but um, congratulations to Anthony nonetheless. He seemed very excited about well, it. Well, we'll know for sure if Anthony takes yeah, Trevor. That's true. There will uh... be a big, big <laughs> tip on that. And Anthony won all because he texted us into the Great Clips text message inbox 778-402-9680. Great Clips. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. C's lost last night, nooner today. So by the time you're listening to this, might be too late. Uh, but they're back at it tomorrow against Spokane, 705 CanadiansBaseball.com to get tickets for that one. Uh, here's the rest of today's menu. It's all brought to you by BC's Best Breakfast at the Dutch. You know what? Summer's slowly coming to an end here, and uh, we all hate that. So it's time to, you know, treat yourself well. Uh, how many more lazy sort of weekend mornings, or weekday mornings for that matter? That's the beauty about summer. Some of us have lazy weekday mornings uh, if you're happy to take uh, some time off or start late go get breakfast brunch or lunch at the dutch sweet or savory panna cooking it's right there for you go to the dutch.com for the location nearest you uh john shannon is going to join us in a moment our regularly scheduled friday insider lots to talk to him about um with regards to the business in the national hockey league like we discussed and uh, we'll get his bold predictions for an elias Pettersson extension we'll get into that extension as well in another edition of svp only this week it's uh well there's no s um <laughs> we'll we'll tackle whether or not it's a long-term or short-term deal you'll find out who's arguing which when that segment hits amar doman joins us owner of your bc lines we'll get into this weekend's tilt and uh, just get a you know a, a approximate halfway report card if you will for the man calling all the shots at the top for the BC Lions, and then it hashtags the best and worst of Twitter. And who knew? Right off the top, we're talking about Canadian basketball. There's another sport that we overlooked where Canada has risen to the top of the globe, and we'll get into that in hashtags as well. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog Neighborhood or Workshop Spirit. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good 
at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at Applewood.ca. Garrison Price, the presentation of the Applewood Auto Group, the Mitsubishi Outlander, continues to outperform even the highest of expectations for myself. I've been prattling on about the gas economy, or lack thereof, in that it just doesn't use the gas. I've been operating it as an EV for the most part. Um, a spectacular ride as well. All the luxurious, luxurious appointments, like the quilted leather seating for uh, throughout the entire vehicle. Third row in a car of that size, so if you do need the extra uh, space to cart around the soccer team or whoever you've got it as well just go take it for a test drive head to the richmond auto Mall, applewood mitsubishi uh, our bodog poll question for the day what does the cap hit for the elias Pedersen extension begin with 10 11 12 or gasp 13 could he somehow get into the same stratosphere as austin matthews uh, cast your vote on Twitter and let us know what you think. And, uh, of course, we look ahead on our Bodog line of the day to a whole host of options on the National Football League exhibition schedule. Nathan Rourke's Jacksonville Jaguars overwhelming favors versus the Miami Dolphins. So I'm going to go Jaguars minus six and a half right now, paying out at minus 110. Bodog, your trusted source for sports odds. John Shannon on a Friday, of course. Joining us once again, how are you, sir? I'm great, boys. You? Very well, very well. Um, it seems like back in the olden days, and by that I mean the aughts perhaps, uh, you know, the European vacations for the National Hockey League to sort of uh, drum up some uh, excitement. Usually it was training camps or something like that, or maybe an exhibition game or two. That seemed normal. Um, they're doing a, a, a player's media tour in uh, in Europe right now, which is where the Silius Pedersen news ultimately came from. Is, is that still necessary? Like, what's the what's the point of all that at this stage in the game here for the National Hockey League? Well, I think they still have to drum up business in Europe. I, I think that when you consider mm-hmm. that they've gone back to uh, the premier games that they, they play in those cities, plus uh, multiple television contracts that they're trying to sell uh, to, you know, different countries. Um, you know, they, they have 30, I think it's between 30 and 35% of the players in the NHL now come from Europe. So I, I do think there's some logic. It's, it's no different in many ways, Blake, that, uh, you know, the NHL PA has European meetings now, uh, because there's so many of the union members that are, uh, are, are overseas. So it's, Listen, I, I, I'm just mad I don't get invited on it. Let's be honest. And that's the, uh, but I, I, I do think that when you're talking about, you know, the it's not the global game, but certainly a uh, an influence of of European hockey and the NHL is still at the pinnacle for many Europeans to play. I think it's important to do. The uh, other news to come out of these meetings was Bill Daly's comments regarding the international play. Um, a schedule that, um, in his words, uh, included both World Cup and Olympics on an alternating two-year gap basis. Uh, but that's starting later on in 2026. In the interim, it sounded like they wanted to squeeze something in. He didn't even know how to define what they wanted to do in 2025, John. Um, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't just kind of I know it wouldn't fit the symmetrical mold of putting a World Cup in 2025, but 
Um, what do you think they have up their sleeve? Or is it, do you think they truly don't know what they want yet in 2025? Well, I think they don't know what they want in 2025 for one simple reason. What do you do with the Russians? And that's right. really the biggest factor um, in any international competition right now. We know where the IOC sits. We really do know where the IIHF sits. They're, they're not going to have the Russians involved uh, until further notice. But the NHL would really probably, and, and, and they haven't said this specifically, but with the fact that Russian players are still allowed to play uh, in the NHL, they probably would like to have, when it's a partnership with the players, a Russian team. And that will not exist at this point uh, with the IIHF involved. So I, I think that, you know, this was this was just a, 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 a making public the desire to have a relationship uh, with the Federation, hopefully with the Russians to be able to come and have a tournament. But there's no guarantee that that will really exist. Remember, the World Juniors uh, in Halifax that Connor Bedard and his gang made such an impact in this country, there was no Russian team there. Uh, so the Federation feels that they can live without the Russians. I'm not sure the NHL feels the same way. You know how we operate out here, John. This is a Canucks Focus podcast, but of course, the news of the week in the National Hockey League was there in Toronto. Austin Matthews, his four-year deal, thirteen point two five million bucks. What do you make of him? And and we've seen this, obviously, the you know going with the shorter term option. There's sort of this conventional wisdom in hockey to get what you can when it's on the table. But Austin, obviously, keeping some options open. What do you make of four by thirteen point two five? Well, I I think it's a semi-win-win for both sides. Um, you, you know, I think that the fact that Austin wanted to keep it at four years allowed Brad Treliving to say, "Well, then we're not gonna we're not gonna pay for those extra years of free agency when we know the cap's going to be a heck of a lot higher." So you're not going to get to fourteen million dollars. Um, I also think that uh, in many ways, um, you know that. If, if Austin Matthews and Judd Moldaver, his agent, have an idea where the cap is going in four years, this is just a smart business move on, on their part. Um, this is a win-win, Jeff. This, I mean, Austin Matthews is now, we know Austin Matthews now is a Toronto Maple Leafs for the next five years. Five years. If you could take any of the superstars in the National Hockey League, in, including Pedersen, and say, by the way, you can be a, a member of our club for five years. I think anyone would take it. I, I really do. I think that teams would take it. I think the player would take it. Uh, so, I mean, Austin Matthews says now, will now at the end of this contract uh, that starts next year, be a Maple Leaf for nine seasons. You know, that not that enough? I mean, isn't that, doesn't that make sense? That's nine seasons really after his entry-level deal. So that's that, that's longer than most people I think have ever imagined. It cuts the rumors down. We're not going to hear about Arizona for a long time, We're, and, and you know that gives him you know a lot of runway to try to win the Stanley Cup for the first time for this franchise since 1967. John, a lot's been made this week of where Matthews' New Deal would fall in relation to salaries in other sports, and it really is a drop in the bucket compared to the NFL and the NBA. Uh, again, though, it brings up this conversation about how much room for growth is there in hockey in terms of taking a larger piece of the pie from the big three U.S. sports? Well, I don't think they're ever going to take a bigger piece of pie of all three at this point. 
I, I think there might be, and I'm not saying they should just be resolved to being number four because uh, they are a factor. They do have two network deals that are pretty good in the United States. They're not great. They're they're certainly not, you know, the money that the other three leagues get and, you know, are going to get. I mean, the NBA, Jeff, is probably going to triple, triple next time from a, a $24 billion deal to a $75 billion deal uh, over, uh, you know, a, a, a decade of, of, of contracts. Um, you know, the, the NHL has done a good job of growing revenue. Um, ne- not necessarily at the same rate as the other three, uh, but that that kind of puts it where it is. I mean, it, it is it is a reality of the NHL being where it is. I you know I saw those same numbers, and Alan Walsh is a buddy of mine. When he puts it out and says so and so is uh, the 113th best player compared to what is going on in the National Football League, but you do have to compare revenue. You, you do have to, and in doing so, I think those numbers are a little askew. Yeah, revenue, roster size, there's a, a few factors, and he alluded to that a little bit, but I don't think uh, it was quite an apples-to-apples apples comparison as you... Uh, he's a play, he's a player's guy. Yeah, He's a yeah. player's guy and wants to be a player's guy, and you respect... I love Alan. I, I think he does an amazing job for his clients. I think he does an amazing job for the union side, and good for him to put it out there and take the flack. But that, you know, sometimes, you know, as you guys both know, being in this industry... We can make numbers look like anything we want at times. Let's just ask you the the poll question uh, straight up. Then you know what what do you think the cap hit for Elias Pettersson starts with? Is it ten, eleven, twelve, or thirteen? I mean, it would only be thirteen before Leafs fans get entirely charged up about this. The only reason I, I think that he <laughs> might be able to get Austin Matthews' contract is just inflationary because the salary cap going up, as we just talked about. So, it, it, you know, the, the stats are overwhelming from Austin Matthews, particularly in the goal column. Um, but if it's another 100-point season for, for Elias Pettersson this year, I mean, I could see them starting there with the ask uh, that it could get as high as 13 to start, again, just for inflationary purposes. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I have the number 11 in my brain. Blake, mm-hmm. uh, when, when it comes to that. Uh, and then you have to put on some level of, of, of team success. At what point do you measure any superstar's uh, contribution with what the team has done? Now, you, you can sit here and say, well, the Maple Leafs you know, can't get out of the first or second round of the playoffs. But, you know, they do get to the playoffs. They, they do get that far. They are at the top of the heap when it comes to points in the regular season. Uh, you know, the, the, the business model in Toronto is much different than I think than any Canadian city. So it's probably easier to justify the 13 here than it would be anywhere else. But certainly, I think when you look at top 15 players in the National Hockey League, Elias Pettersson is one of those players. He's one. Of, he's He's going to be that way. He's going to need to be paid that way. And I think that's a reality that, you know, it's a double-edged sword. It's a reality doing business. It's the reality of having one of those players and you're going to have to pay for it at some point. I mean, Ed- Edmonton's in the same boat, not with Connor, but with Leon Dreisaitl, who signed a, in looking back at it now, a very team-friendly deal that has two more years on it at $8.5 million. Are you surprised that Pedersen kicked the can down the road for another year? no. No, I'm not. Uh, I, I I think what we're seeing is players understanding the business of the game 
players understanding, hearing, and seeing, and their agents seeing exactly what we're hearing and seeing is where the cap is going, how much more disposable income teams will have. So, you know, there are guys that are able to do it with the same club or a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko who's taken that one-year deal in Ottawa to bet on himself for $5 million and then say, hey, jackpot, next year I score 40 goals, I'm an unrestricted free agent again, and I'm looking at 9 or $10 million again once he when he was looking for that in St. Louis and for the Rangers. Do you think there was some messaging, though, in Patterson's comments about being in no hurry here and he said this before. I mean, he, he had the comments two years ago when Jim Benning was still running things about, you know, he wants to play for a winner. And, you know, he's done his part, a 102-point season, and the downfall of the organization it hasn't been Elias Pettersson, John. It's been the fact that they haven't surrounded him with enough of a supporting cast. Now, they think that they've made some moves here this offseason. But do you think there was some degree of messaging from Pettersson that he wants to wait to see if this team is, in fact, going to make some strides this year? That wouldn't surprise me. He's a, as you guys know, he's a young, smart, savvy guy. He gets great advice from his agent. He gets great advice from his family. I've always, I've always enjoyed in so many ways what Pedersen and how he speaks. And not only that, Jeff, but I, I, his frankness has always been there in some level. He, he, he's been pretty direct uh, on everything since he came over as a, as a kid as a 19 year old uh, that, that so it doesn't surprise me but i you know th- these guys all understand they all know that these words are going to be read and they're going to be heard you really have to ask in the end uh, how, how much money does a guy like petterson or, or or anybody need and at a certain point then you have to decide that you know i i can live with a certain amount of money but i want to win the stanley cup i mean in the end these guys are still competitors and and I think that sometimes we lose track of that when we hear their agents talk about term and and, and the amount of money. Um, but at, at one point, when you're frustrated as a hockey player not winning, I think you can live with the amount of money and then decide you want to get your name on the Stanley Cup. What's your gut tell you right here? Of course, we're going to keep the tape and run it back at some point. But uh, <laughs> can he back up a 100-point season with another? Because... Under Bruce, early on, they played a bunch of six, five, seven, six hockey games, and they were having fun and scoring a lot of goals. It feels like there is going to be an impetus under Rick Tockett to tighten things up. It may not be as highly charged offensively. You think Patterson can get to 100 points again? Absolutely. I, I just, I mean, his his pure natural talent. I mean, he's. I I, I think that he's only getting better. You know, and whether it was that, you know, I mean, I still remember when Bruce was there and he told him to relax and just play the game, right? That was really the key. He was overthinking. I think that his maturation process and everything that's gone on in Vancouver, and now he knows where he fits in, not just with the Canucks, but within the elite of the National Hockey League. I think this could become a regular occurrence. The uh, the good news for us as hockey fans here, guys, is business is picking up. Um, you know, Lafreniere signing, Bouchard signing, Matthews signing. We know the Pedersen signing won't likely happen, but there's stuff happening. Is is this a sign, John, that uh, business is back in order and that the the season is beginning here? Do you think? I think that there's been a wake up call to everybody finally getting out of the malaise of the summer. I think a lot of teams have taken this last five or six weeks to to, to back things up and really understand where they are with the cap. And, and we're going to see, guys, we're going to mm-hmm. see some movement 
again with teams that are over the cap. What is there six, I think, over the cap right now still. And, you know, they're allowed to be over 10% right now, but they have to be compliant by that first, you know, the second week of October. And so that to me is, I think that's going to be a factor. I think we're going to see some trades still. I think we're going to see some movement. Um, but that's the, and I do think, and I've said this before with, with you guys, I do think that finally um, all the issues and the problems and the headaches and the pressure and the tension that came with COVID is done. And hockey's finally had a regular off season and now the guys are getting back to work and that's a fact of life. Pleasure as always, sir, uh, fairways and greens, uh, if you're on them over the weekend and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, folks, uh, time for another edition of SVP. As stated, it's, uh, it's PVP. I, I mean, that sounds like a, an STI for heaven's sakes. But a PVP for one week only, and uh, we're going to make it work. As always, a presentation of Layuna 1611. Layuna 1611 is BC Laborers Union, and they have contractors looking for members to hire today. Check out 1611.ca, Layuna 1611 has your back. Jeff, you've been through this before, but it's always been versus Matt. It's never been versus me. So the SVP worked with Matt. doesn't work with me. Battle of the supremacies of the peas or something. Y- yes, something to that effect. Uh, doing some housekeeping from last week, we asked, did the signing of Pius Suter, Pius Suter make the Canucks a playoff team? Uh, Matt argued that it did. I said it did not. Uh, I won on Twitter 53 to 47. Matt clobbered me on YouTube though, 44 to 21. This keeps happening. For some reason, the YouTubers love Matt. So that means I'm still leading, but we're, we're just having these softs of late. So the record is Blake in the lead at six, two and four draws because of the stupid YouTubers. Come on, folks fall in line for heaven's sakes. Um, our question today, will it be a short-term extension for Elias Pettersson or will it be long? And we're not going to nail down exactly the years. Jeff is arguing the four to five range. I am arguing the seven to eight range. The max deals as we've come to know them in the National Hockey League. As always, two minutes for each of the arguments. Our timekeeper moderator today, if you will, is Trevor Martins as expected um trevor let us know when you've got your uh, two minute time clock ready and uh jeff being the guest today you can go first yeah all right jeff you're on the clock here you're gonna get going here in three two and one all right when i heard the quotes from elias patterson earlier this week i took his comments as a strong message to canucks ownership and management that he's not prepared to commit to this organization long term at this moment now that doesn't mean that he won't be a Canuck long-term. It's conceivable that he plays his entire career in Vancouver. But when it comes to this next contract, I fully expect to see him follow the Austin Matthews plan and re-up with the Canucks for something significantly less than max term. Pedersen turns 25 this fall, and I have always seen him as a pretty shrewd operator on and off the ice, and I think he's going to want to keep all of his options open. And how can you blame him? This is a huge year for the hockey club to prove it is finally moving out of a dark decade and starting to make some progress. If that indeed happens, then I can see EP40 signing off for four more years. 
hoping to build something special with this group and in this city. Four years at 12 or 12 and a half or whatever the number is, it's going to give him financial security, but it will also allow the possibility of one more massive contract at the age of 30 if he's looking to absolutely knock it out of the park financially when the salary cap has risen substantially. And that's an important part of this conversation. That's why a shorter-term extension makes perfect sense for Pedersen. Give the Canucks a four-year commitment. Don't lock into something that's going to be below market value before the ink is even dry on the contract. And if things do go sideways for the hockey club, well, the shorter term on the deal is going to make that contract movable, and he won't get stuck in a situation that he doesn't want to be in. The Matthews deal seems to have gained universal praise from all sides, and for many of the reasons I've just laid out. And that's why I think a shorter-term contract makes the most sense for Elias Pettersson. So, as they say in U.S. politics, Blake, four more years. Four more years. Four. Uh, you get the point. There you go. Short-term contract. All right. Just under the bar as well. Well done for Jeff, at least in terms of the timing. Um, let us know when the timer is ready for the retort there. Uh, yeah, Blake, I'm just let you know that you already sewered yourself with the YouTube, uh, vote when you call them YouTube losers, but I wish you the best of luck here. <laughs> it is lower case. Come on. It wasn't like an attack personally. Your two minutes starts right now. I mean, these might be rose colored contact lenses I'm wearing here, but Pedersen goes big this season with the Canucks really big. They'll make the playoffs because of it. And the Canucks, therefore, have no issues offering both big-term money over the big term. That's why Pedersen is doing this. Betting that he can get the long-term bump, and unlike in years past when going long-terms could help grind down a cap hit, for a player this young, the very opposite could occur because you need to buy inflation. The cap is finally hitting the release valve in the National Hockey League, and it is going to be going up and up and up. The agents know this, the players know this, and deep down the teams know this too. You're not buying Pedersen as a 36-year-old with a seven or eight-year deal where those years would then bring down the cap hit. If he signs a year from now, he's going to be 25. Even on a seven-year deal, he could still sign a pretty good money contract when he's 32 to cover his sunset years. This deal is for all his prime seasons. The Canucks will have no choice but to back up the Brinks truck for the team's first superstar since the prime Sedin seasons. It'll be expensive, no doubt, but they'll have no choice. This would be a PR disaster to lose him, and to sign him to a short-term deal where you lose any of his prime seasons would not be viewed positively. Canucks have a long history with his representation, and they'll be able to hammer out this deal. And the differences between Pedersen and Austin Matthews is that Patterson hasn't been to the Austin Matthews stage of his career yet. Matthews really wants to see what this team is going to do with its roster because they've been stuck in the first round hump. Patterson hasn't got that level of frustration even yet. When the Canucks do make the playoffs, that will be seen as profound success for Patterson. He'll see this as a team moving in the right direction. He'll be emboldened to sign a long-term deal. Just before the horn. Uh, that's our SVP arguments for another day. Uh, we'll have this posted on Twitter. You can vote for either myself in the long-term deal or Jeff in the short-term deal. And of course we'll post it on YouTube where you can vote as well. And we'll gather it all up 
and let you know what the results are coming up a week from now. Good. And just let the record show. I, I've always been a huge supporter of oh uh, the viewers on YouTube oh uh, to this program. I love so. you, YouTubers. Yeah. I love you. We Let's just start anew, <laughs> shall we? Let's just Too start late. anew. Hit the buzzer again. <laughs> no, hit the buzzer again. There we go. S versus P, a presentation of Liuna 1611. BC Laborers Union. Check out 1611.ca. Liuna has your back. Harrison Price from the Wall Center, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. And right now at Applewood Kia, step into the full electronic vehicle known as the Kia Nero. And you're probably thinking, ah, I'd love to get an EV, but they're just too darn expensive. Check that. Step into the premium for as low as $44.9. The full limited edition of the Nero EV is unbelievably just at 52.9. That's right. You're into a full electric vehicle at 52.9. And right now you can get it for 6.49% up to 84 months. Go check it out at Applewood Kia. Big game under the dome, BC Play Stadium, or uh, I shouldn't say under the dome. Could be a roof open. Should be a roof open kind of day uh, this weekend for the BC Lions hosting the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And it's... uh, it's not nearing must-win territory, but to keep up with the Joneses in Winnipeg, it would be best advised for the Lions to to get this victory and stay right there near the top in the West. And no one knows that more than the owner, of course, Amar Doman, who joins us here on Sakaris and Price. Amar, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, first of all, let's just get a, a halfway, or just past halfway report card from you, and uh and ask you how you think th- things are going uh, this season here at seven and three, competitive on the field and and business wise too. Uh, just give us a an all encompassing uh, view of the uh, first half. Sure, you know I've got to say that uh, all trends are going in the right direction. We're happy with uh, seven and three. Certainly, the team continues to learn uh, from the wins and the losses and are gelling as a team, which is fantastic. So things are going great there. You're right. We've got to continue the momentum here as the back half. Starts now. The fall football is just about here. Fall's kind of starting to come into the air a little bit, which is cool. And it's time to uh, put some more wins together again to keep pace with the leader there that looks pretty strong. And um, certainly we look pretty strong too. And Vernon Adams has done a great job of leading the team. Um, things look good. So we'll just continue to take it week by week. And I think the uh, the players and everybody's excited about what's going on. The fans and the attendance is up. Season's tickets are up. Everything's going in the right direction here. So as we said, when we embarked on this a couple of years ago, no quick fixes on anything, but certainly the rebuild has been nice. And I really want to thank BC uh, for showing up. I'm curious, you talked about it a little bit there, but uh, the fact that you know, things are trending in the right direction for this football club. For a few years before you and your group took over, uh, obviously there were questions about the BC Lions, but also league-wide as well. It seems like some of that noise has lessened a little bit because you guys have brought stability to all of this. But overall, uh, what's the health of the Canadian Football League these days? I know there's issues in Edmonton, obviously, but overall is the league trending in the right direction as well? Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think, you know, um, from my viewpoint, uh, if you take a look now at the ownership structure of what's going on across the country, it's never been stronger. 
certainly Edmonton's got a win-loss problem. Uh, that can happen to any team. And, and, of course, the fans, after a long time, just, you know, get disconnected. And that will come back. That's a great organization. They made some changes there the other day. But really, when you look across the country, and now with Montreal's new owner, Pierre Carl Pelladou, uh, he's a, a sports owner uh, already. Um, he's injecting a lot of life into Montreal. And so there's just a lot of good stuff happening again. And league-wide, you might have saw a release uh, the last day or two all the numbers in the CFL are up strong, and the way the games were recalibrated for TV is a lot better, I believe, as well. One each night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's pretty cool. There's always a CFL game on, and I really think that's resonated with the fans. Well, it's evidenced by the numbers, frankly, and it's good to see that, so you can kind of catch your team, and, and also these 4 o'clock starts out west here have been awesome, and you can kind of get on with your evening here in the summer, and then we'll go back to 7 o'clock for three of the games as we finish up. It, it, it really feels like you guys have found that sweet spot with those four o'clock summer starts. Why do you think that is the right time for football here in the summer months? You know, a few people said, hey, you guys are a little nuts doing that and it's Saturday afternoon. But in the summer, we have so many options in the short summer that if you come in for a few hours, you can, you know, maybe party for an hour before the game, get in the game. And then seven o'clock, you're free and you still got three hours of sunlight out there. And also you can get home safely with the trains. Those 10 o'clock Saturday nights sometimes can be a little challenging with safety and whatnot, and, and some people just wouldn't come in for that reason. But now coming in early and also bringing in the youth, which has been one of my big goals from the start, is to get that new fan base going uh, with young kids. And, and 4 o'clock games are perfect for that age category. We had a uh, nice chat with Nathan Rourke yesterday. Uh, he was... Uh... His usual self, you remember Nathan, um, just uh, so grounded and uh, not overly excited and certainly not down on himself for being the number three right now. He he sees the challenge ahead, but uh, tell us what you're uh, thinking of his uh, attempts there down in Jacksonville to become a National Football League quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's uh, you know, back down in the shark tank there and, you know, he'll work his way through. There's no question that 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 guy's a gentleman. He's He's got poise, you know. Uh, we loved every minute we had with him here. We were fortunate. It was a lot of fun. Um, and the guy, just he just oozes of class. And I think he's going to get to where he needs to get to. He understands the roadmap. Um, obviously, going to school down there, he understands it very well. And it's, you know, it's definitely an uphill challenge for all quarterbacks down there. It's, it's difficult. Uh, but he's going to put the work in. He'll put the, the time in. And he already has. And he's, a, he's on an NFL team. Uh, that was a dream of his. So good for him. And. You know, you've alluded to it already, but Vernon Adams has kept this team an entertaining team, and your receiving core uh, has been very helpful for for Vernon Adams, and and that's on a on a team that really is probably more remarkable for its defense. I mean, with all the shutouts and the single digits, I mean, and normally you hear, oh, they're a defensive team, and they're not that exciting of a team, but this is this has got both sort of sides going very well to the point where, yeah, it's a defensive team capable of a shutout, but also really fun to watch well it is and and you know we now have some personalities on the team that have been there a couple of years and that continuity starts to resonate with the fans you know you gentlemen and you can start to you know we know who hatcher is on the defensive side we know some great names like tj lee's been around a while but you know rp's done a great job um you know jason on the offensive side head coach rick campbell of getting continuity into this club and that's what wins and you know these guys are having a good time they care more importantly, when you get a team that's caring, that's all you want. And, and, you know, my goal for the team, like, you know, I'm sure any other owner is, we just want to be competitive, try to get to the tournament um, and, and see what happens from there. But they are working really hard. They're exciting to watch. 
and my job is to get more fans in there because as you saw just you know the last couple of games we've been on the road or whether it's Saskatchewan and, and, and Winnipeg but you those uh, I guess packed games when you can start drowning out the quarterback, it matters. It absolutely matters in football. That crowd, you know, way less than hockey, it matters in football. And so, you know, if we can still uh, start to get that lower bowl full, open the upper here and there, that gets loud in there very quickly. And, and that's an edge. We need that edge. So I'm calling on all the fans to show up when you can, get in there and make a lot of noise, uh, you know, when the other team's got the ball. And I'll tell you what, it will help our club. I want to pick up on that because I know Rick and the players' focus is on Hamilton this weekend, and nobody's looking past the Hamilton Ticats, but you as an owner and a marketer and a promoter, uh, I'm wondering if we can look out a little bit to October 6th, Winnipeg comes to town. It's the rubber match, uh, season series, possible you know, buy in that first round, like the potential there. What's the possibilities, do you think, in terms of – that's got to be one of the biggest – it's shaping up to be one of the biggest regular season games, uh, I would think, this decade for the BC Lions at BC Place. I'd I'd agree with that. Um, You know, we're obviously going to be promoting the heck out of that game in all games, but certainly that one is going to, you know, really matter on the trajectory of the team and home field advantage, whether, you know, for the Western semis, et cetera. So that game is going to matter like all games, but that one's going to be a special one, and we're going to need all the horsepower we can in BC place uh, on that, uh, I believe it's a Friday night, that game. So that uh, that, that particular one's going to be noisy. Um, we're going to call in everything we can to make sure we've got that edge. Uh, we're going to need it against Winnipeg. They're a hell of a club. Amar, we're getting to that point in the calendar where, you know, school's about to go back. High school football, college football, south of the line, the NFL is starting up. I mean, it's a, a buffet for football fans. I don't know. Does that present challenges for you to try to keep people focused on your team? Or are you a believer that there's this just heightened interest in football and that's good for for Lions business? Absolutely heightened interest uh, in football for sure. And then, you know, as we cascade into fall and we start to overlap, um, you know, with other sports starting up, um, you know, the, the evening games being Friday night doesn't really interfere with, you know, Sundays in NFL the CFL recalibrated the playoff games to be on Saturdays this year instead of Sundays in November. Obviously, a brilliant move. Um, you're just competing way less with you know other stuff that's going on with the NFL. So I think that's great, just to give that you know that customer a choice or that fan a choice uh, of being able to not have to flip back and forth to actually enjoy a game and be zoned into it. So I think as fall comes around and, and if our team uh, is continuing the momentum that it's on. Um, we're going to continue to get bigger and bigger crowds. I really believe that. And we're going to keep everything affordable and a lot of fun. And this Hamilton game is going to be fun too. We've got some fun stuff lined up for outside the stadium and uh, bring your strong arms and see if you can hammer down a couple of these things. And uh, we're going to try and pull out the big hammer on these boys. We'll get into that game in a second here. One final logistical question, big picture question that you may or may not have an answer to, but it was asked of me lately and I didn't have the answer. So I'm going to ask you now. Have you heard any schedule yet for any alterations to BC Place ahead of the World Cup? Um, you got one full year, I would guess. 2024 should be relatively interference-free. But I, I wonder, do they have to start setting a timeline with you about what 2025 looks like if they have to tweak the field, get grass in, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, there's there's a couple of uh, you know things that will be happening. We don't have all the details yet. They are still working through that. And for Toronto, um, you know, even though Toronto has the grass in place, it's still about exiting the building for a while, right? So 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we envision we're going to be on the road in 26 for most of that summer, uh, just because it is what it is. They transform the whole stadium. Everything changes. So the, the white caps, the CFL, all that stuff will be wiped out. It'll be all FIFA, uh, FIFA sponsored, FIFA everything. We just know that uh, they're going to have to work with the CFL and TSN on scheduling to, you know, kind of help uh, navigate that minefield. Um, it's going to be a lot, but really proud as, as a British Columbian to have FIFA coming here. And it just means it'll be a little more challenging for the schedule that year, but I really don't have any other details. I, I was just wondering, people have wondered if, if you might get a second grass season. Like, do you think it's possible they have a, a 2025 grass season just to make sure it all works? Well, if I had, uh, you know, anything to do with it, I would certainly be a big fan of that. I know all the soccer players would be as well. Uh, the football players for sure. So if we can get a second year. Um, Huge uh, endorsement from this gentleman. No, I was just going to say, I mean, these things are all laid out in advance, but boy, your timing couldn't have been any better to salute. Uh, you're calling them the superheroes, but first responders, when you think of what's going on around our province, am I right now? And you are the BC Lions, and I'm sure you're keeping tabs on what's happened in the Okanagan and in the interior. Um, just what a great opportunity for you and the football club to salute and recognize uh, first responders here, there, and everywhere around the province of British Columbia. You know, absolutely. These guys uh, and ladies, they are heroes for sure. And, you know, for us to do something small to salute them and tip our cap to them, where they're just so selfless every day doing these things, these wildfires, uh, you know, hey, we read about them in the paper, but when you see fire approaching your home or in your area, that is not a good feeling. And a lot of people have been wiped out. It's horrible. And these these people just get up every day. Um, they don't look for any credit. They just go get the job done. I have some friends that are, are in that vocation as well. They're just they're just class people. And then, of course, we go even back to COVID with the nurses and, and, and doctors and things like that. You kind of forget about that. Now it's about the fires, but there's always something going on. And I'll tell you what, if we can just do something small and salute them, um, they deserve more than that, quite frankly. And, uh, you know, just, just love these people. They're, they're heroes. Marvel heroes walking around the game, the, uh, the uh, police dogs uh, performing. There's going to be a lot of things. So a great family day at BC Play Stadium to watch the Tiger Cats and the BC Lions. Guys, thanks for having me. We'll see you Saturday. Sick Harrison Price, the presentation of the Applewood Auto Group, and it's time for hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, and it's all brought to you by Jason Hominick, and it is a very weird market out there. So if you're a home buyer right now, um, let Jason talk some sense into you a little bit about where the rates are going, where they might be, and of course, remind you that you can lock in your rate for up to four months right now. So you're protected if it goes up. And if it goes down, you just renew your rate, whether or not you've pulled the trigger on a new home or not. It just makes sense. Get pearls of wisdom like that and a lot more from Jason Hobbit at jason.mortgage. Uh, Jeff, do you want to get us started? Sure. I mean, there was so much talk yesterday in this market about uh, the renovations that are coming to Rogers Arena, the Canucks unveiling the artist renderings of their giant new video board of the restaurant under the stands and all that kind of stuff. Uh, apparently they were shopping the bulk bin, Blake, because uh, Ben Lipka at Ben Lipka, who covers the Abbotsford Canucks for the Abbotsford News, he reports the Abbotsford Center is getting a new scoreboard as well. So, uh, you know, your Canucks and you're shopping for new scoreboards. Uh, eh, Buy one, get one free, maybe? Uh, it's a BOGO? I, I'm sure they'd love it that way. Probably didn't go down quite like that. But uh, whatever the case, uh, some refurbishments coming to the Abbey Center as well. 
Well, they they want uh, the entire organization to look spick and span, I suppose. So they're uh, they are making some changes. They could use it too. Like I know it's the American Hockey League, but that scoreboard, like when you've covered the Canucks and you've watched games at Rogers Arena, and you know I went out to Abbotsford for Canuck preseason games. I was there for one of the playoff games as well. That scoreboard and the video screen it needed uh, an upgrade. So good on them, bringing it to the people. Uh, at Ben Steiner Double Zero, uh, gold for Canada. Richmond, BC's Cameron Rogers is a world champion in the women's hammer throw at the World's Athletic Championships, winning throw of seventy-seven point two two. Canada, BC, with the hammer throw world championship double, with the Nanaimo's Ethan Casberg winning the men's event. Um, wow, you know I. I didn't know we were a hammer throw hotbed here, Jeff. This is new to me. No, I'm with you. And good on them. I mean, that's incredible. And, you know, a year out from the Olympics. I, I always love these sorts of stories. Like now we start to, you know, storylines to follow. And all of a sudden, like, you know, not just the track side, but the field as well. Like Canada going into that as a country to watch in the hammer. So, yeah, awesome. Like that's a really good news story times two. You never know, like, what provinces specialize in what until, like, things like this. And you're like, oh, all the hurdlers are all coming out of blah, blah, blah. You know, like, and apparently we do hammer throw really well. So, uh, so who knew? Uh, I've got one from at Soapbox. This is a voice in Canucks Twitter. Kyle Burroughs. You remember him? Yeah. Kyle Burroughs with a hole in one today as per Tyler Myers' Instagram story. And there are a couple of photos of Kyle Burroughs. Posing with his golf ball out at Northview, and it's Burroughs, it's Tyler Myers, and JT Miller uh, teeing it up ahead of uh, the start of season. And I guess uh, Burroughs uh, will be heading to San Jose before too long here, but still some time for the local guy to get in some rounds with his former teammates and uh, making the most of one of his rounds out at Northview, uh, stuffing it for an ace. So congrats to Kyle Burroughs. Maybe the guy he's playing with is heading down to San Jose <laughs> with him. Two for one deals that we talked about. <laughs> We'll see. Although the fact that he's in town now maybe supports the fact that he's back as a Vancouver Canuck. You never know. We're talking about Tyler Myers here, folks, of those old rumors. At FOS, this is a weird one. Front office sports. The Pensacola Blue Wahoos. I guess Wahoos is is the uh, fish. The AA affiliate of the Marlins. The Pensacola Blue Wahoos have their entire stadium listed on Airbnb. When they're away out on the road for five thousand dollars one hundred and forty three, the rental includes ten beds in the clubhouse, <laughs> full access to the field all night, batting practice, a full tour, food, merchandise add-ons, and on-call staff. The uh, bed setup appears to be two queens and three sets of bunk beds, just in case you ever wanted to stay in a double a affiliate home of the florida marlins i love it andy dunn and the canadians might have to look at you know a little side revenue project here gets people into the overnight at the nat like i think there's some possibilities there this is a waterfront stadium it's a pretty <laughs> nice little piece of property I, although there's not exactly a beach that you can leisure on um it's a nice stadium looks like a pretty modern facility versus the uh versus nat bailey i don't know that i want to spend the night in a <laughs> Hundred-year-old clubhouse, Jeff. At least not until it's renovated again. Um, there may be the odd critter or two, is what I'm is what I'm referencing here. So uh, until they fully gut that that clubhouse, I, I'll 
I think I'll keep that as a an absentee Airbnb. And that's hashtags for today. Zacharis and Price from the Wall Center, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. And don't forget, folks, if you ever want to chirp us, laud us, just send us any feedback. It's into the Great Clips inbox at 778-402-9680. Great Clips, the official hair salon of the NHL. Great Clips! It's going to be great. Ah, you did do it. I've never done that with you. (laughs) Usually I just poach that from you, but I... Thought I'd play ball this time around. Errors and omissions from yesterday's show. Um, the only thing I can think of is um, I uh, was talking with Nathan Rourke about the viral video from his Ohio State co- or Ohio coach. Um, I did mention by name. Tim Albin is the name of the guy. And you haven't seen that video yet, the Hummingbird video. I have not, go but I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Uh, Bodog line of the day from Jeff Patterson. Yeah, uh, PGA Tour down to the Tour Championship this week in Atlanta. After that, it's on to the Ryder Cup, and Bodog's got odds. I I think this year's Ryder Cup is going to be fascinating. It's on European soil. It's in Italy, in Rome. You think of the European team, like Rory, Rom, Hovland, Tommy Fleetwood, Matt Matt Fitzpatrick. They're all going. You can get Europe right now at plus 140 to win at home. So we'll save the predictions until a little closer to the first matches, but uh, something certainly yeah. to think about. I think that European team is going to be stacked this year. Yeah, absolutely. There's your Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your trusted source for sports odds. Folks, have yourselves a great weekend. Don't forget about the uh, home game for the BC Lions hosting the Hamilton Tiger Cast. Congratulations again to Anthony, and hopefully he enjoys himself at the game. Hopefully I've got my normal voice on Monday and we'll be uh, back to talk to you, you then. Don't forget to support local, all those fabulous businesses that we've partnered up with. would love your support and, uh, and we'd love you to keep on downloading and subscribing to all of our channels as well. Folks, we'll talk to you on Monday.